What's up, everyone? Justin Bradford, the host of Penalty Box Radio and the editor-in-chief of PenaltyBoxRadio.com. Hey, this is Danielle Donena with Penalty Box Radio. You are listening to Outside Smashville with Sam Fleming. Enjoy this episode. You are listening to Outside Smashville. Ladies and gentlemen, as the song says on the introduction from NHL 20, it's been a long time coming. Hockey, finally back. And outside <laughs> Smashville, episode nine back as you hear Jack Woods laughing in the background. One of my very first guests I had on this podcast along with Danielle Danena. Jack, how have you been, my friend? It's been a minute. Yes, it's it's been a minute. It's been a minute since we talked hockey, man. Uh, I think the last time that we talked, my hair was like shaved and <laughs> like I didn't have like all of this going on. I, I look like a professional and now I look like like a boogeyman or so. I look like Sasquatch. <laughs> yeah, and Jack, I mean, it's it's been forever. It's been since March since we've been able to talk NHL hockey and finally the return to play has been put into motion. We're just within a few days of these exhibition games that are getting ready to start up. And uh, it's going to be a very interesting Stanley Cup playoffs. Again, a lot more teams involved this year, a play-in round. The teams that are the top four seeds waiting for these play-in round teams after a five-game series. I mean, we've seen the PGA Tour has been back with no fans. It's worked well. NASCAR slowly started to work fans back into the stands. We had, I believe, the NBA is getting ready to start back their own version of the bubble down in Orlando, the MLS, the Premier League. But I watched baseball last night, and I've got to say, it's a little awkward watching baseball without fans because even though you typically <laughs> see that quiet, that quiet moment when the pitcher's throwing the ball, you don't see the crowd involved as much as, say, hockey or soccer or sports like that. But there's no thrill when there's a home run, a strikeout, except for the players around. But you got to think, it's just going to be weirder with NHL hockey not having fans. Oh, without a doubt, the fan atmosphere is what makes NHL games fun. You know, like whenever you, uh, whenever your team scores and that goal horn goes off and everybody's reacting the exact same way, it's just, it creates this, this environment that the players love, the coaches love, the fans especially love. And I'm not really sure how that's going to play out. But at the same time, I know that a lot of these players went through juniors, went through, you know, you know, many leagues and stuff like that. So, you know, I don't know if the spotlight has spoiled them, but to me that if I were playing and then it'd be like getting back to my roots. It's like, well, I'm just playing in front of nobody. <laughs> yeah. Just playing without a crowd, but I've got to say props to the NHL. Mm -hmm. They have done a great job with this. I think when we initially talked about it on PBR Extra or PBR Premiere, that show we did with everybody that had been on air that year, we all were concerned how this was going to work out with the NHL. You know, a contact sport, a lot of socialization between the coaches, the staff, the players, pretty close compact. You know, you're hyperventilating inside of a facility that's enclosed. It's not like golf or NASCAR where you don't have to share – you know, the same room with somebody. 
But I've got to say, I saw a study that they did like, I think 800 tests or something and only two players had tested positive. So big credit to the NHL, but what is your thoughts been on the return to play so far? Well, you know, if we were in like a Denmark or a Germany or heck, even in Italy right now, I would feel a whole lot better because I can see cases are starting to drop in those in those other countries. But, you know, in the United States, it just continues to go up. And it's it, that's just a fact. Cases continue to rise in the United States. And, you know, I would say I'm very concerned about the players' safety and the coaches' safety. I'm glad that they're not introducing fans. I think that I think it's a little too soon. Um, the selfish part of me is really looking forward to finally watching hockey instead of playing NHL 20 <laughs> all day long. But, you know, it, I, I would I would still err on the side of caution. And I don't really like the mentality of next man up if somebody gets COVID-19. But at the same time, I understand that the league did what they had to do to appease the fans and the league did what they had to do. Uh, in the safest way possible to bring players back and to allow them to compete for this cup and to give fans closure and to give everybody closure on this season. So uh, there are some upsides. There are some definitive downsides, but you know, at the end of the day, it's hockey, dude. It's, you know, we're, we're finally not gonna watch Phil Forsberg highlights on YouTube. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. But those have been pretty to watch or watching reruns of games. But I watched the All-Star game when it first came on, and it was like, man, even that's making you miss it. So two hub cities. We've got the Eastern Conference over in Toronto. We've got the West over in Edmonton. It's very interesting because the Rogers place, or I think Rogers Arena, the Edmonton hub just got flooded recently. Um, which made for a big story, but I think they've gotten that taken care of. And they, they did a diagram of it. I saw the picture of Edmonton. It, it's like a plaza area. There's the arena. There's like three or four hotels these teams have been put into. So definitely props to Gary Bettman. I know we all do not like Gary Bettman kind of when it comes to this. You hear him get booed. But <laughs> he's done a great job trying to get the fans back into hockey the safest way possible, get our players back in shape because these guys have been off since March, haven't been able to really skate with the rink shut down here in Nashville and across the country, but it's been so far so good. It looks like the training camp's going very well uh, from what our own reporter, Justin Bradford, has been showing us. Yeah, without a doubt. And, um, you know, I've been been trying to follow different teams, see what they're doing, see what the locker room looks like, see what the media is doing. And uh, Sarah Siv on, uh, on, on The Athletic, she's been reporting nonstop Carolina Hurricanes content. Um, you know, everything seems to be the same across all spectrums, across all teams. Everybody seems to be – implementing the same kind of strategies for social distancing and for wearing a mask. And, you know, even the interviews that uh, Justin and Robbie Stanley and Chris Martell and all of them and down in the Preds locker room there, it's, it's a social distancing. Like they're having to ask questions over video and, you know, players are wearing masks during the interviews. And, you know, it, it, it seems that they are making it as safe as possible as safe as it could possibly be. 
Yeah, and I agree with that. And some of the masks have been fantastic. Dante Fabra with the he shoot, he scores, you suck mask has been fantastic. Uh, and so is Ryan Johansson. He's had some good ones too. But it's got to say the guys are looking in pretty good form when you see Forsberg flying around out there and Eckholm and those guys. Of course, there's a lot of excitement on this roster as we've seen. Ellie Tolvanen is up. Rim Pitlick's up here. And there's Philip Tomasino. So if anything is to happen, these guys could have a shot to break in, obviously, with the AHL and a lot of other leagues canceling the rest of their season. I know that's tough for Admirals fans because the Milwaukee Admirals were actually having a fantastic year, maybe on their way uh, to winning the – I keep forgetting what the AHL trophy is. I've been so Stanley Cup, you know, focused I believe, right now. I believe the Admirals were awarded the Calder Cup. I Calder believe Cup, so. Yeah. I believe okay. so. Uh, yes, yes. And list of champions, Wikipedia, go all the way down – and no, 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 no Calder Cup playoffs were so they still won the regular season. Right. They still they, they still dominated the AHL. Yeah, and I know John Jensen's going to get on me, but we know how John Jensen is. So I uh, <laughs> attempted to try to hack the PBR gaming Twitch, which we'll get to in the end. But um, oh boy, so. I think it now comes the time. We've kind of broken down our thoughts here, Jack. We've got to pick out. There's quite a few good series here. We know the Predators are playing the Arizona Coyotes, which I think is going to be a better series than a lot of people are saying it's going to be because Arizona is a strong team. You've got Taylor Hall. You've got Nick Schmaltz, Clayton Keller, Phil Kessel, Stanley Cup champion out there. But – I'm picking a series to watch, and I think you've got one too. We, we kind of agreed on different ones. My series to watch is going to be that Carolina Hurricanes versus New York Rangers series over there on the Eastern Conference. Mm-hmm. I, you might ask, but because by gosh, the Carolina Hurricanes look like they could be a threat. The storm surge could happen mm-hmm. during the Stanley Cup playoffs once again. You know, they've got Andre Sveshnikov, who we've seen do the lacrosse goal along with Philip Forsberg. Sebastian Ajo, who's a really talented player. They've got uh, they got Brady Shea at the trade deadline. Peter Morazic, who's had a really good start in net for them since he's come over. They just got so much young talent on that Carolina team that plays like veterans. And I think that's a key thing. You know, everybody's like, wow, they traded Jeff Skinner. They got rid of Noah Hannafin. It's only benefited this team since that trade. And then I look at the New York Rangers. They got Adam Fox, who's probably one of the best defensive prospects that came out uh, of free agency when he wasn't going to sign with the Calgary Flames. He got shipped off to the Hurricanes, didn't want to sign for the Hurricanes, ends up going to – uh, uh, New York in a trade. He was a Hobie Baker finalist with, you know, my favorite player, Kale McCarr, uh, the past <laughs> from Harvard. But he's oh, been Macker. a good, yeah, Kale Macker. But <laughs> you know, the Rangers started to get a lot better as the end of this season started going on. They had Artemi Panarin, who's a key piece to their rebuild. I know Jacob Truba's had a little bit of a down year, but he's actually starting to pick it up a little bit. They have Strom. They have uh, Mika Zibanejad. Let's talk about a guy who kind of came out of nowhere, had five goals right before we had this pause in the season. 
They have Capo Caco, the number two overall pick. You've got Henrik Lundqvist, maybe who hasn't been um, doing as well. They have Alexander Georgiev and then Igor. I think it's, I can't pronounce the last name. It's just they go. They call him Igor. But I, right. I really like that Rangers and Hurricane series because that's two young teams that have really, you know, you got the Rangers starting to get back to where they were a couple years ago when they made that Stanley Cup run where they lost to the L.A. Kings. And then you've got the Carolina Hurricanes, who last season came out of nowhere, went all the way to the East Finals uh, before they got swept by the Boston Bruins. But, Jack, what is your series to watch? So I'm going to go with the Columbus-Toronto matchup. Um, Just looking at team statistics right now, uh, Columbus – is a defensive-oriented team. They had the 12th best penalty kill in the league with an 81.7 conversion rate. Um, you know, you got guys who were injured. A lot of the Columbus Blue Jackets roster went down right before, right before everybody said, all right, no more hockey. So you got guys like um, – Pierre-Luc Dubois, who was heating up a little bit right before the break. You have Gustav Nyquist, who couldn't quite fit in that top center role, so they bumped him down the second line, started to play a little bit better. Uh, Zach Wierenski is always a player you got to keep your eye on. Uh, but the key player in that matchup for me is Seth Jones. Uh, Seth Jones, former defenseman for the Nashville Predators, couldn't really find a place in Nashville, traded over for Ryan Johansson, a team that was probably the most beneficial for both sides in the last 10 years in terms of how the teams have benefited. But, you know, Seth Jones is a cornerstone for that offense. He drives play. He's a leader now. He's a seasoned veteran. That's the guy that you want to watch. In terms of Toronto, you know, they just – they better be thanking their lucky stars they're not playing Boston in the first <laughs> round because they just, they just can't get over it. They just can't get over that Boston hump. So, you know, obviously I'm a big Mitch Marner guy. Uh, I think that he's got a lot of talent. I think he's got potential to be another Nathan McKinnon, another Crosby. Uh, that's still yet to be seen, but I feel like he's got that in him. Austin Matthews is always a guy that you got to keep your eye on. Uh, and Frederick Anderson was a guy who had sort of a weird year. His save percentage wasn't as good. His He only had three shutouts on the year, but he still managed 29 wins. And Toronto was one of those teams – Toronto was a team like Nashville in that they were underperforming, that they weren't really picking it up where they could. And, you know, I'm interested to see what a break does for a team like the Toronto Maple Leafs. Just a mental reset. Right. You're not allowed, you know, you can't go to the ice and skate. You can't pick up a puck. You can't pick up a stick. You can pretty much shoot at a net in your garage and that's it. You can rollerblade around around the neighborhood and that's it. So I'm just wondering what a mental restart does for the Toronto Maple Leafs. And I'm interested to see what the Columbus Blue Jackets look like with a full and healthy roster. Because as you know, Sam, that Columbus roster, when fully healthy, is very, very dangerous. Very yeah, they're dangerous. A- Yeah, they're another young team, and I got to see them play when I went to Arizona this year to watch the Coyotes, obviously the team the Predators are playing. But that team, they've got, you know, I think Emil Bimstrom, who's a really underrated rookie, Oliver Bjorkstrand, who's another good player for them as well. They don't have really big names like they did when they had Duchesne, Panarin, and Bobrovsky. But, you know, they have Elvis Merzalinkis in net, and then – Jonas Corposalo, who's been really solid, that was actually an all-star pick 
this year. So they got some solid young guys. Now, you mentioned a restart. Columbus is definitely a team that could benefit from this break. Toronto, another one. I think Nashville can too. Maybe maybe it's a little tough for them because they were starting to find the right direction under John Hines, and I thought maybe could go on a good run. But we talk about teams that this could help, this could hurt. I'm going to start with my picks of who this could help, and I'm going to agree my number one's the Columbus Blue Jackets because they're getting their guys back, they're getting fully healthy, and they get the chance to get Seth Jones. Warinsky, I think, was dealing with a little bit of an injury. He gets to get a little bit of rest. They get Dubois back. They get all these guys back in their lineup. The second team, as much as I hate to admit it, it's the St. Louis Blues because Vladimir (laughs) Tarasenko has been activated off injured reserve. So he's going to be back. And, you know, I think we were all saying when Tarasenko went out, sure, this team's got Ryan O'Reilly and, you know, Petrangelo and uh, Colton Perenko. They've got Bennington. They've got all these guys in this lineup. But Tarasenko was kind of the cornerstone for them. And it almost looked like they didn't need Tarasenko this year with how well they were playing. They had some of their rookies really step up, and they were on a hot streak. But with Tarasenko back, that makes that roster that much more dangerous. Right. Um, my, my third and final team I've got to go with that it could help, I'm going to go with the, the Dallas Stars because they yeah. were starting to slump right before this, this you know, pause happened. They were in danger of falling out of the top three of the Central Division because Nashville was starting to put together some good, consistent results. You know, they might not have been wins consecutively, but they were getting points in consecutive games. As for my three, this is going to hurt. I think you could really put it on, you know, that maybe any of these teams not in the playoff round, not getting – sure, there's an exhibition game for every team. But I, I'm going to go with the Boston Bruins yeah. as my number one team that this hurts because they were they had momentum all year long. They just looked unstoppable. You know, David Posternak and Brad Marchand had combined for a great year. Patrice Bergeron's been doing well. I know they had Yaroslav Halak who kind of came out of nowhere and played really well behind Tuka Rask. So I think that's my number one team that this hurts. My number two is the Colorado Avalanche. I think the Avalanche had some momentum going too. There you go. Are we like like what did you are you sending telepathic messages? Because I'm I'm with you the whole are, way. The whole way on this because you know I, I don't know like the Colorado. I think for St. Louis it could have been the same if they didn't get Tarasenko back. Right. But getting him back really is a big benefit. Um, and and I think it does kind of hurt you know, to not see a team like Colorado have cons- consistent play. Cause I know they had some injury problems too, where Landis Cog was out for a while. I think Rantanen was out for a little bit. They lost Philip Grubauer. Maybe he could come back. I'm not sure what the deal was there. Um, and then for my third and final team, I'm going with the Pittsburgh Penguins. I, Interesting. I, I don't, I think they're going to be one of these teams that, you know, Crosby's not getting any younger. Neither is Malkin. Sure, they have Gensel. But they – I don't know. They haven't impressed me that much this year with this team. And this is a team that everybody expects 
you know, will compete for a Stanley Cup, and then they get swept last year, you know, going up against the Islanders. And it almost started to remind me, are we getting ready to see what happened to the Chicago Blackhawks, a team that's at the top of the mountain and then starts to fall off? But, you know, I think you could make a case for the cap. I think you could make a case for any team both being benefited or being hurt by this. Um, but do you have any things that you would change? Because I know you said that you mostly agree. Yeah, I mean, obviously teams that are teams that were riding momentum, teams that were basically coasting through February, March, and April all the way to the playoffs. Teams like Boston, obviously, right? But one team that kind of got overlooked was the Tampa Bay Lightning. And I know that I, I know that you're a Lightning guy, but you know looking at point differential, they were the second best in the team. They were only eight points out. Um, they had played the same amount of games as Boston, but you know, Tampa got off to that slow start and then they, and then, and then suddenly they're Tampa Bay lightning again. So, you know, I think that, uh, I think that the Tampa Bay lightning for a team that started off slow for the trajectory that they were going in, you know, they, they, they had them, they had Boston right where they wanted them. And now it's complete reset. And that's, and that's basically what this quarantine is. It's a complete reset. I think another team that had some momentum, um, you know, the Philadelphia Flyers, I mean, they, they, they were about to take over Washington. They were one point away with the same amount of games played. They had a better goal differential, positive 36 versus Washington's positive 35. You know, I think that uh, Washington was riding the coattails of some bad offense and some great defense. Um, another team that this might hurt is, like you said, the or actually differently, the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, Vegas as well. Vegas was one of those teams. Um, I think the team that this is probably going to help the most is Edmonton. And I know that you might be surprised with me saying that, but you got to think about Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid carrying that team into a playoff spot, a legitimate playoff spot. They were in the top three in the Pacific division. And then it's like, when are they eventually going to taper off? When is Dreisaitl going to have that, five game, no point, you know, zero points through five games. And what's the goaltending going to look like? They were writing fringe goaltending and it's like, well, you got a break. You got a break. And now dry saddles, fully healthy. McDavid's fully healthy. So I'm interested to see what Edmonton looks like. Yeah. And I think that's a really good point to Edmonton. You had McDavid log in a lot of minutes for a Ford. Same with dry saddle. The last Preds game I got to go to was that game against Edmonton, and it, it's phenomenal to watch those two play with each other on the same line. And I agree with you on Tampa Bay. This was a team that I followed that was starting to heat up, but, you know, momentum can be killed when you have a long break. And it'll be interesting to see what happens with the Lightning. And, and the other team that I think about is a team that's not even in the playoffs. you got to think about the Detroit Red Wings. They, oh, poor Detroit. Yeah, I mean, I know we hated Detroit for the rivalry, but, like, to have that bad a year and not even get a top two pick, that's just – and they get to watch a team from the playoffs that has a shot at the Stanley Cup, potentially like, – 
like you don't kick a man when he's down, you know, no. like you don't like the horse is dead, dude. Leave it alone. <laughs> <laughs> and Lafreniere, and this is what I'm talking about with a team like Pittsburgh. He could go to the Pittsburgh Penguins if this happens. So um, the last thing I want to ask before we get into our hot takes, which I'm very interested to see what people think of these. Um, who is your player to watch one from each conference in this play-in round of the teams that are playing? Okay. Um, uh, first things first, uh, it's, it's going to Colorado, and I want to see what Nathan McKinnon looks like. Nathan McKinnon had a, had a 98-point year in a, in a shortened season, and he was on pace for something like 110 points. So, you know, I don't believe Colorado isn't that one-line team anymore. I think that they've added more depth and more firepower underneath that incredible top line. But I want to see what McKinnon looks like. You know, can he take that next step? Can he be that player in the playoffs that wins them a playoff series? Can he be that player that takes the avalanche out of this you know, round one and see you later or, you know, round two and goodbye. Can he take them to that Western Conference, potentially Stanley Cup, and really put Colorado where they're going to be anyways in about two years? Can he take that step? Is this the year that Nathan McKinnon finally takes the avalanche to the Cup? And then the other player, and we've we talked about him briefly, Sidney Crosby. He tried to run player-run practices in, in all of this COVID mess, and he had to miss a couple of days in training camp. And like you said, he's not getting any younger. I would never, ever, ever, ever count on Sidney Crosby. Never. But like you also said, they got swept last year, right? There's some magic there that's, that's it's starting to wane away a little bit. So is there going to be an extra push from that Pittsburgh Penguins team? Like, hey – we're, we're we're losing years. We're losing some mileage on this car. Let's gas it and go. Let's get everything. Let's get everything out of this guy that we can. So, how yeah. about you? I, I like those players because I think it's it's like you said. McKinnon's had a good year. I think it's flown under what Drysital and what McDavid have done in the West. And I, I agree with that. And I do like the the Crosby one. I mean, as much as people maybe don't like Crosby, you got to respect what he's done in the NHL. So, and and I think the same could be said for Alex Ovechkin. But that's you oh, know he's enough. getting a lot older than Crosby. But for the East, I'm going back to one of the teams in the series that I said I was interested in watching, which is the Rangers and the Hurricanes. And I'm going to go with a rookie. I'm going with Capo Caco. He came out and mentioned a statement that he feels better, he feels faster, and he feels a lot stronger. Now, you look at the top two picks in the NHL draft this past year, Jack Hughes, Capo Caco. Two very different seasons. Caco had not had that great a year, but he started to pick it up. Jack Hughes – Who's Jack Hughes? I mean, and, right. and they're not even in the playoffs. And I think a lot of people thought that New Jersey team might be in a playoff run, but they're not. They're, they were way out of it. I think Capo Caco, if he starts to go in the right direction for New York, could be one of these dark horse players as a rookie that could help this team make a Stanley Cup run. Now for the West, 
Do, do you think that Capo Caco would be the equivalent to like a, a Pontus Auberg in that in that 2017 run? Or do you think that he's is you know you know what I'm you, do you know what I'm trying to hit? I know what you're getting at, like Freddie Gaudreau and Pontus Auberg. I, I don't I don't want to consider Caco that because Capo Caco was like this notable guy that came out of the NHL draft. He wasn't some like deep round pick undrafted free agent that just sort of nowhere. Now, could he be that kind of player? Sure, but this is a guy that they expect at some point could step up in his career and help them with guys like Panarin. But I think if he's a if he plays better, he's definitely somebody that could make a difference for this team. And, and I really like what Capo Caco brings as a player. I watched some of his highlights back before he got drafted. He's he's strong, fast skater but he just really hasn't adapted because I think New York had such a slow start to the year. Now they've kind of picked it up. He's starting to play better. Um, So Kako for me in the East is the guy to watch. Now for the West, it's a little bit harder because there's so many guys, you know, I don't really want to go with Nashville, but I was going to say somebody like Ryan Johansson for Nashville. Could he have been benefit uh, a benefit? Matt Duchesne as well. Another one that I mentioned to you, um, and I think there's so many guys, you look at Tarasenko, that's a guy, how's he going to do coming back off injury? But, but and, and even the Blackhawks, I even thought about Dominic Kubalik, who's been a really good player for Chicago this year. The one guy that I'm looking at when I look at these series is I'm going with another rookie from the Vancouver Canucks, Quinn Hughes. Yeah. The brother of Jack Hughes. <laughs> because I'm not going to pick McCarr because everybody knows how I think about Kale McCarr. But Quinn Hughes, everybody's like, oh, Quinn's a good player. I mean, but he's not going to be Jack. He's a defenseman. He's not going to produce. That Vancouver team really shocked me this year because they've been on this rebuild path all these years, and they've never really had this solid defenseman And then they got Tyler Myers in on free agency on a relatively good deal. Brock Besser's had a good year. Elias Pettersson, he's always been a good rookie. I think he doesn't get as much appreciation as some of these guys that were in his draft class do. Um, They got uh, Tyler Toffoli from the Kings. They have Tanner Pearson. They've got these depth guys since the Sedins left that have really meshed well. But Quinn Hughes as a rookie, and then they got Thatcher Demko in net. Jacob Markstrom, who's had a good year. But I'm going to tell you what, if Quinn Hughes can have a really good playoffs on the back end for the Canucks, I think that Vancouver team is a dark horse to potentially come out and be one of the favorites in the West. Well, to add to your point, he had 45 assists as a rookie, as a 5'10", 170-pound rookie. I mean, he is he's the epitome of what it means to be the NHL defenseman of the future, right? He's yeah. driving play, creating chances, and, and, dude, you could not have picked a better player to watch from that team. Yeah. So, we've got Crosby and McKinnon. So, we got two, two star veterans, two veterans. That, are, that are established and two rookies in Kako and Hughes. Now, this is one I've been waiting for. This is the hot takes segment. I told Jack to give me one hot take. Told Jack to give me one hot take. I'm gonna start, and you know, I, I didn't want to go straight into like a finals prediction of who's playing who, 
I wanted to kind of make it based off the play-ins in this first round after the play-ins because, like you said, the Colorado Avalanche, the St. Louis Blues, the Dallas Stars, and the Golden Knights, they are playing for the number one, two, three, and four seeds. And then on the other side of the East, you've got the Bruins, the Lightning, the Capitals, and the Flyers. My hot take. Let me hear it. The Boston Bruins do not beat the team they face from the play-in round. And I know I've got some friends that are Bruins fans, and I'm going to get a lot of stick from Boston people. It's a good team, but let's resort back to what we mentioned about who this could hurt. Boston was cruising this year, going to win the President's Trophy. They did win the President's Trophy. And they looked like a clear favorite. And I think, I think if we hadn't had the stoppage, Boston might have coasted their way to a Stanley Cup. And I know Tampa was on their way. But sure, there's a play in round robin to play for the number one seed. But there's something about an advantage of playing a five-game playoff-like feeling series in my eyes that benefits a team that's coming from this play-in round versus Boston just playing a round-robin to see where they set for the seeds of the, of the first round. But I, I do not think – I don't think they get swept. I don't think anything like that. It might go to seven games, but I don't think Boston wins against the team that they play in the play-in round – from the play-in round. Before I give you my hot take, is it confirmed that can, that the Canadians are facing the Penguins? Because yes, yes. the Canadians are going to beat the Penguins. I mean, I, I think that I, I think I think Price is going to catch fire. I think Tatar is going to lead that Canadian offense. You know, I think it's I, I think that the Penguins have run out of steam. Um, just given what I saw, given the people they picked up in free agency, I just don't think the Penguins have that Stanley Cup magic anymore. I mean, this is a team that every single year they have Crosby and Malkin. You think, all right, so they have potential to go to the Cup. I don't think so. I think too much time off. I think the fact that there has been a little bit of controversy with Crosby trying to lead player-led workouts, I think that there's just too many um, – too many factors going into this, too much drama, too much heightened pressure around, you know, Crosby, does he still have it? Does he still not? And I just think that the Canadians take advantage of this and they knock Pittsburgh out. I think that's a good one. I, I really do because we talk about how they got swept by an Islanders team that I think a lot of people last year didn't. I know they have Barzell and Anders Lee and guys like that, but it's like you said, Crosby and Malkin, and they even had Phil Kessel still on that team. Jake Gensel, these guys are going to be good. But the goaltending, Matt Murray has not been elite, and Tristan Jari is either up or he's down. And, you know, look who the Canadians have back on the point. They got Shea Weber. And if Shea Weber catches fire, it's dangerous with that slap shot. And, and you know, uh, Gallagher – Well, no, it's, it's a hazard. It's a yeah. hazard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And they and they right. have and they have Gallagher and Max Domi too, two two oh, other yeah. really good players for that team. And 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 you know, 
Jeff Petrie is a guy that I really like. I know that he's sort of a sort of a mid-level defenseman, but you know, forty points speaks for itself. Um, you know, I just, I just, I, I really think that this Canadians team doesn't have the Stanley Cup magic, but I do think that they have knock a former Stanley Cup champion out of the playoffs magic. Yeah, and so we both took one from the East, and I said one hot take, but I kind of want to take one from the West. Okay, just, sure. Just to throw it in there. And I've been looking at the West teams, and I mentioned we talked about the Vancouver Canucks. They could be a team that makes a deep run. But I'm going to talk about the team that they're facing. Oh, yeah. Minnesota, the Minnesota Wild by chance win this series, they might be someone to watch out for because Kevin Fiala has been unbelievable for this team this year. I mean, we watched him play against the Preds the day after that Edmonton game, and he had an unbelievable goal. And I think Eric Stahl has had a career revival there. They still have Ryan Suter. You know, they have Matt Dumba. They've got some good pieces on that team. I I think Minnesota's – a team that if they win that series against Vancouver, watch out. They could be one of these underdog stories that make almost like a Nashville Predators type run from 2017 to a Stanley Cup. Well, and you forget about guys like Zach Parisi when Kevin Fiala's leading the team in points. Yeah. I mean, like Matt Zuccarello's on that roster, and, you know, they've got guys like Alex Stalock whose goals against average was less than 2.7, which is a lot better than, you know, teams that are getting really hyped up right now, like Matt Murray. You know, like you got a lot of good, solid talent on that Minnesota Wild roster. Yeah, so that's just a little bit of a playoff breakdown, but I think it wouldn't be proper to end this episode without talking about what happened the other day. The 32nd NHL team has been announced. I think the name was not a surprise when it first came around because it was initially talked about. But I read somewhere that they had explored over 1,200 team names for this Seattle team. But you look at where they are, I think the Seattle Kraken is a fantastic name. The jerseys look phenomenal and clean, I must say. The color scheme – I was wondering if they might go with like a Seattle Supersonics kind of look from the NBA team, but I got to like the different colors. They're going to have a nice arena there. But I, I think it's something I said in our group chat for PBR. We're all very welcoming of this team. And then come the 2021 offseason, we're going to hate Seattle because of that expansion draft. <laughs> Well, I've been thinking about that, and I've been thinking about this in the context of the Nashville Predators because time has told us that when Neil went to Vegas, Nashville got the short end of the stick, right? Because Neil went on and made another playoff run. You know, he got stuck on a Calgary Flames team, and then he goes to Edmonton. And, you know, back to that hot and cold James Neal that Nashville knows and loves. So I'm just kind of thinking – Who's that one player that Nashville really, really, really doesn't want to lose? Yeah. Because I know that names like UC Soros and Colton Sissons have come up, but what about guys like Callie Yarncroke and Kyle Turris? Yeah. 
and, and this is what I'm going to say, because just a debate, I know this is outside Smashville, but I think it's fair we touch on this because we are mainly. Well, and we're talking about this in the context of the Seattle Kraken, which right. yeah. I don't know what their goal song is going to be, but I can't wait. Yeah, and I can't wait to hear the horn. I, I have been of the one that this is the year, and I'm not sure how it'll work because some players get exempt from the expansion draft. And I don't know if a guy like Dante Fabro might be exempt because he hasn't played that many years yet in the league. Um, but I think this is the year Nashville goes to seven forwards, three defensemen, one goalie. I've been debating this because I think Pecorine, as much as we love him and he's done so much, I think he's probably going to retire here very soon because I know he's getting a lot older, and I think his body, is, as we've seen through this year, unfortunately, he started to decline a little bit. And I think you've got to protect UC Soros, because when he's hot, he's hot. And then the three defensemen, I think Yossi has a new no-movement clause, so he has to be protected. Ellis has had a, a almost, as I want to say, career revival, because we know that injury he suffered – in the Stanley sensational. Cup finals. Sensational from we the beginning were, to the end. We were worried that we were never going to see Ryan Ellis the same way again. But this year he's been fantastic. He's had a great season. And I think Eckholm, again, I like Eckholm because he's that tough guy that likes to get under the skin of the other players. And he's a good defenseman. He's a taller defenseman, solid player, likes to get up in the rush. For the Fords, I, I think it's definitely Johansson, Arvidsson, um, Forsberg, Duchesne, you lock Duchesne up to that long term. I think it's the first year for Duchesne trying to figure out Nashville. I'm sure that contract will work out eventually. So that gives me four. My fifth is Rocco Grimaldi. I, you cannot let Rocco Grimaldi go. After no, how good a depth, depth player he's been, I, I think Grimaldi is definitely somebody you want to hold on to. Colton Sissons, you've got him locked up to a seven-year contract at a very, very reasonable cap hit. I definitely think that would be somebody, if you left him unprotected, that, that Seattle would take. So I think you that's have a great to con- Well, that's a great contract. Yeah. I mean, for, for what you get in return, that's a great contract. Yeah, and, and I think you have to protect him for that reason. So, so far, I've got Joey, I've got Arvey, I've got Phil, I've got Duchesne. I've got um, Grimaldi, and I've got Sisson. So that last one comes to be. I'm going to be honest with you. I do not think Seattle will take Kyle Turris because of the value of that contract. $6 million cap hit, that's a little much for them to take. You and put him on the first line? Maybe. But I mean, I'm just saying, it, because in, a, in, in my own fantasy draft, I'm thinking they pull Jack Hughes, Capo Caco, and then put Kyle Turris in the middle of them. Well, and I, I don't think those two will be available. No, absolutely <laughs> I know not. what I'm you're just, saying, though. No, absolutely not. I'm just, no. but I'm there, just daydreaming. There's, there's a chance with that. But, you know, I think Bonino will have been out of contract by that term. So if they wanted to go for Bonino, it would be they draft the free agent and then sign him to a contract, what Vegas did with Derek England. They drafted him from Calgary. He was a free agent, so he signed a contract. That last spot to me is the one that I think a lot of guys are going to have to play for 
and earn, you think about a Yakov Trenin, but I don't think he'll have enough games yet to qualify for the expansion draft. Um, I think that that last spot's kind of up for grabs depending on what happens next year. Because you got to think about what if Craig Smith or Mikhail Granlund stick around? Do you keep one of those? So I think it's up for grabs on what Nashville – and, you know, maybe David Poyle works some magic instead of last time just letting them select James Neal. Does he try to make a trade to get them to take a certain player, maybe trade some depth, depth pieces and maybe some draft picks so it doesn't affect the overall integrity of the lineup? I want to say one more thing before we have to go. I have one more hot take. Okay, go for it. I think Matthew Barzell and Rog Nelson take that series from Jonathan Huberdeau and the Panthers. I like it. I agree. I think that team is really good this year in the Islanders. And that I think team is so solid from top to bottom. You got a guy like Barry Trotz at the helm. Oh my gosh, Bar- Varlamov having a great year. So is Greece. Got a fantastic penalty kill. Yeah. I mean, Let's talk about something. If Nashville got them in a Stanley Cup Finals matchup, I'd like our odds after how we kind of beat them, you know, 13 to 3 this year in goal differential. I, I mean, I don't know. But yeah, I mean, Craig Smith had a really good run, but I do like that team. Trotz is such a good coach. I think they're looking for a little bit of redemption after getting swept out of the second round against the Hurricanes last year. Um, you know, my, my teams to watch not keeping Nashville, you know, because I definitely am going to keep my eyes on this. This is outside. This Smash. is outside. So I, I definitely have got to say I'm keeping my eyes on that Colorado Avalanche team because they're mm-hmm. looking to potentially get back to the dynasty they were when they had Joe Sackett, Patrick Raw, Waugh, and, you know, Renee Bork when he was over there. And then from the East, I definitely like Carolina. I, I just think it's going to be a team to keep your eyes on throughout this playoffs if they can make a run with so much young talent that has meshed so well together. I know they're call, called a bunch of jerks and they do that end of the game celebration, but there's a reason. They are a very, very good hockey team. Yeah. So, Jack and I um, – appreciate this this was something different you know i wanted to do on the first episode back a zoom kind of outside smash i've been seeing some other pbr people doing it i appreciate everybody from pbr who was in the intro as well i wanted to get everybody back together kind of to welcome back you know hockey and i appreciate everybody doing a little video clip for us jack and i might look to get back into uh pbr gaming at some point when the work schedules allow us to i know we kind of we kind of let that slip up a little bit, but uh, I keep expecting some outside smash bowls. I'm definitely going to have Jack back as the playoffs continue, and we're going to talk a little bit more. So thanks for tuning in to Outside Smashville. One more thing, one more thing. Be sure to tune into the Elite Edge Showcase. Sam and I are going to be calling some hockey games. Yes, the Elite Edge Showcase over at Fordyce Center Bellevue. See some of these guys that are up and coming. A lot of people travel, a lot of kids travel from all over the country just to participate. Brandon Walker, great host of that Elite Edge Showcase. So, yes, we'll be broadcasting on Penalty Box Radio. Thanks to Jack. I appreciate you coming on. Let's see if our hot takes hold up. And thanks for tuning in (laughs) to Outside Smashville.